0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the solution to true peace. Isaiah 57 20 says, The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Always moving around, always doesn't it? But there's no rest. The only lasting peace comes from confession of one's sins. Psalm 28 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Some people never resolve issues in the Lord. That's a bad way to live as a Christian.
1: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You or someone you know may be going through a terrible trial right now, but sometimes being on your back is best because it's then when you are forced to look up. Let's join Pastor Xavier in the book of Genesis for today's encouraging lesson on God's grace and forgiveness. Genesis chapter 43, we're going to look at verses 1 through 34. And the message entitled, The Calm
0: Before the Storm. The first trip by the sons of Jacob had been a time to face their guilt and sin regarding their brother Joseph. Um, they returned home with grain, but without Simeon. And to their amazement, their money was found in each of their sacks, causing Jacob to declare that all things were against him. Things are not looking good. Some time has passed. And they are in need of more grain. The famine is still present. But they have to deal with the problem of taking Benjamin, the son of Jacob. That's the only way they can purchase grain and get Simeon released from prison. So if you can, imagine they've gone back. They have so much grain for so much time. We'll look at about how much time. And they're probably eating as slow as possible and with portions because they don't want to bring up the subject. They don't want to deal with the issue. Listen, things do not go away. Problems don't fix themselves. You have to grab them by the neck and deal with them. And so Jacob is going to command his sons to go back to Egypt. Let's begin here with the guardedness of jo- Jacob here to send Benjamin Egypt. This is his precious son. It is the only one left of his favorite wife, Rachel. Notice in verse 1 and 2, it is Jacob that asks his sons to return to Egypt. The condition of of the land is still famine. It's severe. Well, they're not going to go down without Benjamin. But Simeon's been in the can for a long time. Put yourself in Simeon's place. These guys forget me. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Judah is the one who becomes the spokesman in verse 3 through 5. Uh, he reminds Jacob of Joseph's demand, but Judah uh, spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You should not see my face unless your brother is, uh, is with you. And the word warn is used of threats that are not empty. Reuben had attempted to persuade Jacob when they came back the first time at the end of chapter 42, verse 37, 38. Jacob says, my son will not go down. Six months longer has elapsed. Here we are again in the same place. And so he reminds Jacob of the seriousness of the demand in verse 4 and 5 there. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down pretty final he repeats it again for the man said to us you should not see my face unless your brother is with you it's the only way they're going to get to egypt the only way they're going to get grain and so in verse 6 and 7 it says that israel did not want to send benjamin to egypt look at verse 6 he begrudged his sons for mentioning benjamin Why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell a man whether you had still another brother? In verse 7, but they said, the man asked us pointedly about our family. Is your father alive? Do you have another brother? We told him according to the words. Could we possibly know what he was going to say? Bring down your brother? In verse 8, Judah tells his father that Benjamin is the key to their survival. He petitions his father Israel for Benjamin. Send the lad with me and we will arise and go. He pronounces the reason that we may live and not die. Both we, you, and also our little ones. This was the whole purpose of God sending Joseph. Later on he'll tell us in the other chapters, especially in the last chapter. You know, God sent me to preserve life. What you meant for evil, God turned for good. So in verse 9, Judah tells his father Israel he would be responsible for Benjamin. He was taking a pledge. I myself will be surety for him from my hand. You shall require him. Now, Reuben attempted to be responsible and has failed before. Simeon was responsible. Now he's in jail. (laughs) He's the next one in line. He would bear the blame. Listen to him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me. Bear the blame forever. Pretty heavy charge. And so in verse 11, Israel sent them with a present to Joseph. He was resigned to send Benjamin, and their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. He sends the choice produce of the land, some of the best fruits, a present for the man, a little balm, a little honey, Spices, myrrh, pistachio nuts, almonds. Interesting. Just like the present he sent before his brother Esau to appease him that he might be accepted by him in Genesis 32, 13 through 15. Remember? <laughs> like the Ishmaelite caravan who they sold Joseph to. They were going to go down to Egypt to sell. Now they are taking all these fruits to redeem the two brothers. <laughs> Interesting. He sent twice the money, verse 12. Take double money in your hand. Really, it's threefold. Uh, double in your hand and take back your hand, uh, the money that was returned in the mouth of your sack. And he was hoping that it was a mistake. He sends Benjamin also in verse 13. He hands him over. Take your brother also. This was difficult. This was heartbreaking. He set them on their way. And arise and go to the man. The final thing he does is he commends them to God. Mark it well. He was trusting God. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man. Jacob commends himself to El Shaddai. The all powerful God. The one who is more powerful than Pharaoh. The one who is more powerful than the prime minister. The one Who rules the heavens and earth, the one who has promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the promise of the land? You must always come back to the one who was promised. You must always put your problem next to El Shaddai. It will shrink your problem to the proper perspective size. (laughs) Don't let Satan put a magnifying glass before your problem. Put it next to God. He was trusting the release of both sons that he may release your other brother in Benjamin. But here Jacob or Israel is not exercising positive confession, name it and claim it. No. Listen, don't miss this. He believed God to be sufficient even in the worst outcome. Listen carefully. If I am bereaved... I am bereaved. Wow. He doesn't know what God's going to do. But he knows that God's sufficient for whatever the outcome. Very important. Similar to the prayer for God's help, pleading his mercies to deliver him from his brother Esau in Genesis 32, 10 through 12. The mercies of God. Less than I deserve. Hmm. Things don't go away. You got to deal with them consistently, diligently. Painful. The gardeners of Jacob to send Benjamin to Egypt needed to be resolved, as painful as it was. Notice secondly, verse fifteen through twenty-three, the uneasiness of the sons of Jacob at their arrival in Egypt. In verse fifteen and seventeen. Uh, the initial audience before Joseph was brief. Um, verse 15, the sons of Jacob arrived in Egypt prepared. They took their present and Benjamin, double money in their hand. They arose. They went down to Egypt, arriving. They stood before Joseph. And basically that was it. Then the governor, Joseph, instructed a servant in verse 16 to make preparation for them to eat. So he just looked up. It was, you know, must have blown their mind. Nothing was said, this and that, orders. The command came from Joseph. After he saw Benjamin with him, the instructions were for the steward to take him to his house. Take these men to my house and slaughter an animal and make ready. For these men will dine with me tonight. Does that remind you of the prodigal son? (laughs) Interesting. The command was carried out. Then the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the men. Into Joseph's house. What do you think is going on in their mind? <laughs> Everything. The increasing apprehension of being led into a trap gripped them. In verses 18 through 23, in 18, the brothers became very suspicious. The brothers were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And the brothers said, It is because of the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we are brought in. So that he may make a case against us, fall upon us to take us as slaves and our donkeys. The phrase fall upon us refers to violence. Their conscience was bothering them. You see, the first trip, God was dealing with their conscience. They confessed certain things, but they still haven't told their dad. They're still hoping, hey, we're we're almost out of here. Maybe we won't have to deal with it all together. You understand? Verse 19 through 22, the brothers took the initiative to speak to one of the Egyptians. In verse 19, the timing is given when they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house. They talked with him at the door of the house. Their words are quoted. They said, oh, sir, very respectful. We indeed came down the first time to buy food, but it happened when we came to the encampment that we opened our sacks, and there each man's money was in the mouth of the sack. Our money is full of weight, and so we have brought it back in our hand. Their integrity was stated also. And we have brought down other money in our hands to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks, verse 22. I mean, these guys are are doing everything to keep their nose above water. Verse 23, the brothers were dismissed quickly over the matter. The Egyptian blessed them with peace. They're expecting something else. He He said, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. You imagine the face they're going, what are you talking about? But they had no peace. People can tell you, oh, let the peace of God rule your heart. And if you're not resting in God, if you're guilty, there ain't going to be no peace. The Egyptian informed them that the money was a gift from their God. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasures in your sang. This only puzzled me even more. You know why? They're guilty of sin the Egyptian informed them that he had received their payment. I had your money. They were more confused. They had the money. <laughs> and then the change of subject comes. He reunites Simeon with them. He brought Simeon at to them. So this kind of dissipated again. There you go again. There's the, the, the big pressure. Boom, <clears throat> subsided. It's, it's put off. But it's still there. Whenever people are guilty... Or hiding something, they're suspicious about everything. Isaiah 57 20 says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Always moving, always doesn't, but there's no rest. The seeming escape is a false sense of peace. It's temporary peace, it's not lasting peace. The only lasting peace comes from confession of one's sins. Psalm 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Some people never resolve issues in the Lord. They do people wrong. They do this, that. And they, they hop around from churches. They do whatever they want, and they don't resolve issues, and they think that the God's going to use them. No, and, and most people, are, they push themselves all the time. They're promoting themselves. And, of course, they're not being truthful about their past or anything else. That's a bad way to live as a Christian. The uneasiness of the sons of Jacob at their arrival in Egypt made them more hesitant. <laughs> Notice, lastly, you have the festiveness towards the sons of Jacob by Joseph They're in Egypt, verse 24 through 34. The customary preparation prior to dinner is given to us. In verse 24, they are cared for in their needs. They're given... Water to wash, so the man brought the men into Joseph's house and they gave them water and they washed their feet. Also, their bees were taken care of. They gave their donkeys feed, And then they made preparations to meet Joseph in verse 25, to present him with the gift. They've got this gift from their dad. They made the present ready for Joseph coming at noon. They were going to dine with him. They heard they would eat bread with him. And they humbled themselves before Joseph. They presented him real humbly. In verse 26, they entered with a present. And when Joseph came home, they brought, in, brought him the present, which was in their hand, into the house. And did obeisance to Joseph. And bowed down before him to the earth. This is in accord with the fulfillment of the dreams that he had in Genesis 37, 7 and 9. Here's the fulfillment. Your she's bowed down to me. Hmm. They have no idea. Notice the preliminary conversation while waiting for dinner, verse 27 through 30. Joseph inquired about their welfare in verse 27, first in general. Then he asked them about their well-being, literally peace, shalom. <laughs> they had no peace. This whole thing, peace, the servant says, peace to you. He says, peace to you. They, they have no peace. Second and specific, And said, is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And the brothers respond in verse 28. But they only respond about their father. And they answered, your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. All of them once again did obeisance. They bowed their heads down, prostrating themselves. Doing that, which they said, are we going to bow down to you? (laughs) And so Joseph addressed the brothers collectively in verse 29. But he fixed his eyes on Benjamin. Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother, Benjamin, his mother's son, the emphatic bond between him and Joseph, his real brother, not half-brother. His brother of Jacob's favorite wife. He asked them, is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? Benjamin's 22 years old now, being the second year of famine. At 40, chapter 45 tells us. He addresses himself directly to Benjamin. He says, God be gracious to you, my son. What is Joseph doing? He's trying to look at the heart of these guys. He tells him, God be gracious to you. But he didn't say that to them. Joseph was overwhelmed with emotion. In verse 30, his love for Benjamin was too much. His heart yearned for his brother. He had no. He had to excuse himself, so Joseph made haste. He sought somewhere to weep, and he removed himself to do exactly that, to weep. He went into his chamber, and he wept there. Now, this must have freaked out. I mean, what's going on? The guy's here, he's gone. They don't know what's going on. Is he going to plot? Or are they going to come upon? Him? I mean, you can imagine all the scenarios going on through their mind. And then we have the extraordinary arrangement at dinner. <laughs> it just keeps building, man. Joseph returns in verse 31. He composed himself, then he washed his face and came out. He resisted giving in to his emotions and he restrained himself. He commanded dinner, served the bread. And then they were all separated in verse 32. Joseph alone, they said him, a place by himself, the brothers by themselves and them by themselves, and the other Egyptians and the Egyptians who ate with them by themselves. The reason is given because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews for this was an abomination to the Egyptians. Herodotus, the historian, and many other ancient writers revealed to us the exclusiveness of the Egyptians and their Segregated practices. Notice they were all seated. Then in verse thirty-three, according to the order of birth, this just over the top. They couldn't take it no more. I mean, this. (laughs) And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. Astounded by the designated order, and the men looked in astonishment at one another. This whole thing is unpleasant for them. <laughs> but it's really unpleasant now. And it's a manifestation of divine judgment in the context that the word is used throughout Scripture. Job 26, 11, Psalm 48, 5, and Jeremiah 4, 9. They knew this could only be of God. God's going to get us. They were all served then by Joseph, 34. He served the ten first, first, then he took serving to them from before him. He served Benjamin next, but more. But Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. Benjamin is singled out with special favor as Joseph was singled out by his father. He's looking for the heart. That's what he's looking for. And he noted their heart had changed. So they drank and were merry with him. They're having a great time. He's seeing that their heart is changing. But the test is not done. The last time they ate together was when Joseph was down in the pit. Here they are again. You think they were thinking about that? Hmm. The evidence of a changed heart comes through trials and tests. No other way. By being put in the same opportunity as before to see if you will pass it or fail it. To see whether you will depend on God or just try to go with the same pattern. By being happy and rejoicing for another when they are blessed rather than being envious or jealous. I don't understand why God blesses them, you know. I go to church more. I read my Bible more. By being dead to the old man, by putting on the new man. Ephesians four twenty three through twenty seven says, "And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place." To the devil. Good counsel. There's no easy way. You have to deal with issues. And you have to deal with issues biblically, scripturally. The festiveness towards the sons of Jacob by Joseph in Egypt was to see if their hearts had changed. There's still one more test that's going to come to them. That's why I entitled the message Calm Before the Storm. When they leave Egypt, they're going to, oh, we made it we're safe no Mm-mm. Jacob commanded his sons to return to Egypt to buy more grain and here you have it revealed by the guardedness of Jacob to send Benjamin to Egypt that needed to be resolved the uneasiness of the sons of Jacob at the arrival in Egypt made them more hesitant in the festiveness towards the sons of Jacob by Joseph in Egypt was to see if their hearts had changed. This is not revenge. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with resolving issues. That's what the Bible tells us to do. We must do it biblically. If not, it's just to calm before the storm. (laughs) And you know what happens when storms come. First they destroy. But then the outcome of that is Everything's renewed.
1: Pastor Xavier Reese and the blessings that follow repentance. A blessing that's available to all who seek God's truth. Now, you can pick up a copy of today's message, The Calm Before the Storm. We're making it available on CD for just $4. And this also includes what Pastor Xavier talked about during our last broadcast. So once again, the title to ask for is The Calm Before the Storm. Or simply mention today's date. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us measure the impact of this outreach in your area. Well, don't miss the next encouraging edition of Simple Truths when Pastor Xavier Reese brings more sound teaching from the Word of God. Hope to see you then.